We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas, and with me today is only our 2K coach, Frankie. What's up, homie? We're all we got. We're all we need. Listen, we have enough. Uh, listen, it's 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 the holidays. You know, people people are with their family. People have fallen asleep and not answered the group DM. You know, I'm not going to call out people by name, Christian Hernandez, but, you know, People, people have to enjoy their holiday break. And here at Heapy, we are an ethical company. We allow people to enjoy time with their family. However, Frankie and I, you know, we want to give you, the people, the coverage that you deserve. So we are here uh, doing this podcast for you on a wonderful Sunday afternoon. And, uh, you know, I, I, by the way, guys, the scheduling for Heapy going forward is going to be pretty simple. It's going to be probably Sunday and, and Thursday. I think we're going to shoot for uh, until the season starts. And then we're going to kind of get into like specific team stuff. And that's going to take us up to training camp. And then at that point, you know, we're going to be on our usual uh, whatever. There's not a game type schedule uh, going on and with our post games and all that good stuff. So 
Frankie, I really want to start with the news of Wednesday. I know we're a little late, but there was Thanksgiving and then, you know, Black Friday. God, I hope nobody shopped on Black Friday. This is <laughs> God. You guys, please be safe. Um, there was some news that some some people in the league were calling the Heat's finals run a fluke. Now, that bothered me for a couple reasons. Now, first the first reason why it bothered me was because it's some anonymous team executive saying this and it's probably Danny Ainge, you know, you know, texting some reporter, right? Cuz he's mad that he had to watch, you know, Bam Adebayo kick his ass and then the Heat play the Lakers in the finals. Like this is this or, or like some Phoenix executive, some salty ass loser executive uh, horse in in Milwaukee like texted this to somebody, right? Which I'm just like why would you even need to say that? And I'm, and like you could say all you want about the idea of no fans in the arena, right? You could say all the things about the bubble was weird and everything. Frankie, I think from a from like let's not even let's not even entertain some of that other stupid shit, but just from an X's and O's standpoint, Miami totally kicked Milwaukee's ass. They had a game plan. It worked. I mean, you don't even have to be like a super X's and O's basketball guy to see the fucking plan against the Bucks and how well it worked out. I mean, it was pretty simplified. And against the Celtics, too. I mean, the way that they handle Kemba Walker in pick and roll and all that stuff, like, I think from an X's and O's standpoint, I don't I don't really think it could be debated. It's it's hilarious to to hear that. Uh because especially because on a neutral court, you would feel like there's no home court advantage, no other factors, and it's just talent mano a mano. And and Miami completely outplayed the Bucks. They went up three zero on them. They completely outplayed Boston. Um, besides, like a, a blowout loss uh, that that Miami took out their starters in the fourth quarter. So yeah, they the, Miami. Completely outplayed them, completely outcoached both those teams. I feel like the finals uh, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, but that you can chalk that up to injuries. They lost two of their three best players in the first game and, and were, without, uh, were without Goron for the majority of the series. And they healthy Goron the whole series. And Frankie, like the Heat took off two games off the Lakers. That's more than any other team did. Yeah. Without yeah, their no, players. I, Exactly. It was literally Jimmy Butler and, and Jimmy Butler was you. There's a legitimate argument that can be made before the finals. Jimmy Butler was like their third best player. Yeah. Like other than that Milwaukee series, really in the Boston series, he was I don't want to say a no show because he had that big game one. But, you know, after that, I mean, I, I think you I think in the Boston series, he was clearly their, their third most impactful player. And I think the numbers on and off bear that out. I think Bam and Goron clear. I mean, Bam was just a. Bam was just a problem for Boston. Bam, they had Bam no, was the best player in that series. And like, if you look, Frankie, I mean, and it's the stuff about Boston that we've been talking about for a long time. Kind of they're weak on the back line. They're a little small. Their centers can't really keep up. And, and when a team has a big that can really punish them, especially with Bam on the roll and Goran as a great pick and roll player going north-south, I mean, that became a problem. I mean, they have a lot of really good wing defenders and clearly that bothered Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. They, they have those guys in the wings, but going north-south, I mean, Goran and, and even Jimmy to a lot of times, I mean, they were just picking on Kemba Walker. They were going to Bam on the roll. And then Bam, when it came time to it, took over, took Tice completely out of the game, kind of flipped that over its head in game six. And like, you know, 
go to the Milwaukee series, you know, the, the plan was kind of similar to what Toronto did the year before. You know, you build the wall on Giannis. You know, you really force guys like Brooke Lopez to beat you. And, you know, they're, they're sending guys flying. And Jay Crowder, you know, honestly played out of his mind. And that could be the only thing that if you want to say something was fluky. But, I mean, Jay Crowder didn't shoot well the rest of the playoffs. He shot like 33% against Indiana. Against Boston, it was really bad. And against the Lakers, it really wasn't there. So he had a couple, like four good shooting days. Against the Bucks, uh, which obviously, you know, you need everything to kind of click for you to beat a team that good. But I mean, it's not like the Heat eked by Milwaukee in like a seven game series, one of which, you know, like Toronto last year won in six games. But, you know, that that game three overtime, you know, remember that, that got really that was a double overtime game that could have really gone against the Raptors that series. So it's not like Miami eked by in a six or seven. No, this is a fucking five game series beatdown. It was a gentleman's sweep. They gave they gave them game four. For, and, and that was with Chris Middleton going Kobe. Uh, <laughs> that's all. That's what it took. But they were up three all in that series. They, like you said, they they took uh, the game plan was to push, take Giannis outside of the paint, force him out, put a lot of hands every time he went to he he had to take a drip uh, more than one dribble. He had two three hands uh, reaching poking at the ball so he, he would he'd have to pick it up and he would be 18 feet away from the basket with nothing to do kick it back out and uh, against boston they 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 use the zone to pack it pack it in tight uh kemba was and then they locked in on kemba so kemba couldn't get the, his driving lanes that easily smart wasn't was uh, had like one outlier shooting game where he went like eight for 12 and the rest of the series he was awful uh, Jalen Brown did great, but J- when Jalen Brown is doing good, you can, he's not going to beat you. You can't, you're not going to win a lot of games if, if Jalen Brown is your best player. Yeah. You live with that. That, that like they, they kept Jalen Brown was the last option to swing around on the corner. We side corner. he hit, he hits the three. That's fine. You live with that. But you know, that the scouts that were saying with Tyson Bam, we're going to be a wash. Uh, that that uh, Miami's was too small. Miami was too this. Miami was too that. Miami's too inex- young, too inexperienced. You you had plenty of guys that made impact plays all season long. These these were you know you. It is time to p- prove in the playoffs a different atmosphere. Uh, even even in a bubble, it was a, a higher intensity level. Um, and and hero and you saw that in Duncan because you could you could easily make the case Duncan had had an outlier postseason and and jay made up for it somewhat because duncan like, was shooting like i mean duncan shot like 38 percent when it all came down to it but uh <laughs> off, he, off night for him that's an off that's off for duncan duncan's like a 45 percent three-point shooter and that's by design too like teams really keyed in on duncan so like i don't want to take away from what other teams are doing i thought the way that they defended duncan was really good and really smart and i think that he was a priority for other defenses and i think that that's natural and i think the fact that he was able to produce at a high level despite defenses really i mean i i think when when teams are looking at butler and stuff like that you know the the common stuff is you go under the pick you know let him shoot all that stuff you know uh, but with Duncan, I, I really thought that they were putting a lot of their best defenders, a lot of their game plans revolved around how they were going to defend the handoff action with Duncan and Bam. And, and I thought every defensive decision started with that and then worked down. And then, you know, at the end of the game, Jimmy can kind of force mismatches, force some switches like he did against the Bucks and, and the Celtics and all that stuff. But 
I don't really see, and, and I hate that we're entertaining this, Frankie, because I mean, like, I, I don't understand, you know, why or why we, why we have to do this. I mean, a team made the finals, they beat a lot of good teams quite convincingly, and I don't think that they got any outlier performances from their guys, right? If anything, I think guys underperformed a little bit at times, you know, like. You know, other than that one Tyler, like monster game, I mean, he he really, I mean, I think he scored in double figures every single playoff game. But I mean, I think that was a natural progression up until that point, and I think you can argue that maybe a young player would be a little frazzled by a road game, and you know that that's fair. You're right, but I mean, why are we not saying that about the Lakers? Right. When has Anthony Davis ever played in the finals or in a you know why why you know when has Anthony Davis ever played in a big NBA game? Right. Got his ass kicked by the Warriors in the second round. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not sure. Like, why are we doing that to them and not to AD? Right. And I think, you know, I don't know. Tyler's not the guy who's scared. I mean, Tyler was their best fourth quarter scorer in the season by by percentage. Right. That's not a guy that was going to get scared. And and Duncan, too. It's like, I don't know. I I just think I think it's a little ridiculous. I think if you want to say that he were a little young and they got fortunate that they didn't have to play a road game because they were a really bad road team, I would say, you know, you're absolutely right. That is a completely fair assessment. And I think that obviously if they had to play road games, it would have been different. Maybe it would have been a six or seven game series against the Bucks, right? Maybe it would have been really, really close. But I don't think that you can say that the Heat did not earn their win against the Bucks or the Celtics, right? And against the Lakers, if their two two of their three best players don't get hurt, I don't know the conversation we're having because even without them, you know, they took him to a game six and Jimmy was done. He had nothing left, nothing in his legs. That Rondo was going by him. Rondo was blowing by him. So it's yeah, just with, you know without any any like uh, resistance at all. But my thing is, I think it all comes down to one of uh, Twitter's biggest problems and. Uh, and society in general's biggest problems. We can't admit when we're wrong. It's okay if you were wrong about the Heat and you thought they were going to be a first or second round out. It's okay. It's okay if you were wrong. But you were wrong. They were better than they than they that you thought they were. I, they were better than I thought they were. Than a lot of us. Than a lot of us Heat fans thought they were. We thought you know best case scenario we upset the Bucks. Uh, we no, I, I don't think a lot of us like pictured how good they would be, how, how out of his, this world Goron would play or, or, um, or bam, we, we hoped we said, we said it before the, the Celtics series in co- in order for them to beat the Celtics, this has to be a bam series. And what was it? It was a bam series. It was a natural progression of a, of a future of an all-star because turning into a, 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 but yeah, um, uh, a franchise max player turning into a superstar. I don't know. I'm just, it was just so annoying. And I, I was tweeting out of the heat beater account, like tweeting all the, the block on Tatum, the, the Butler picture where he's keeled over, over the scores, the, 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 the sideline little table, whatever, like, you know, all, all those moments in the playoffs, Jimmy Butler, you know, scoring over Giannis yelling, he can't guard me. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that shit's not a fluke. You know what I mean? That 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 that's stuff. And like, I don't know. It's so fucking lame. Like, it'd be like Heat fans like trying to take away from the Lakers title. You know, trying trying to make excuses. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's just bullshit. I mean, like that was just, that those are the circumstances of the league. And everybody said, you know, there are no asterisks. You know, every player said this was fucking hard, right? And and the Heat have you know by design, right? Heat culture, really tough minded um, individuals. And you know, I think that even Heat players in the bubble really had a, had their mental health affected. And I think, you know, you can't really control that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But everybody yeah, was playing with that deck. Everybody played with the same hand. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody was dealing with the same exact What are you going to do? You're going to fucking invalidate shit? 
You know, you're gonna call yeah, it like, a fluke. You can't. You couldn't handle it, and we could. So it's our problem. We're a fluke. Oh, get the fuck out of Jimmy, here, Jimmy Butler's about, Like, you, how how can anybody watch what Butler did? Outplayed LeBron in two finals games at the height of the sport. Everything on the line, legacy on the line. The most important games he's ever played in his life. Given all of Jimmy Butler's personal history and his and his athletic story, how the fuck can you look at that and say, you know what? I want to invalidate that. That was a fluke. That's all lucky. Fuck out of here. Shit pissed yeah, me off. Give, give people credit. They fucking outplayed everybody's expectations and it wasn't it wasn't like jimmy butler was hitting fucking uh off the dribble threes and yeah. got and caught fire for four for three series it wasn't anything like that it was goron stepping his game up but goron went for a, uh, is capable of doing that but that's why Dan you save goron in the regular season frankie yeah, that's why you that's save why him. that's why you save those legs yes exactly and it's like you said uh team started keying in on, on duncan and and spoke had plenty of film on that what to do, what to do, what to do. And his counter was when none was stepping up. He And, and uh, you know, to be fair to none, he had COVID. Uh, we don't know how much that affected him. But when uh, none wasn't able to play up to his level uh, prior, they, they switched Goron in. And Goron was able to be that release wall, have, ex- have less defenders focusing on him. It was like he was playing as a six-man off the bench without having to worry about uh, the, the other team's best defenders guarding him. So he's playing against their third best perimeter defender at times and he's just he's just like oh okay i'm gonna hit this floater i'm gonna hit this jump shot i'm gonna attack the lanes get get to all my spots and free up everybody else and everybody was able to eat like that something miami really unlocked that they did not go to as much in the regular season and i'm kind of curious if if they were just saving that stuff i mean it seems pretty obvious i don't know why they would save it but kind of having Goran screen for Jimmy late and then Jimmy kind of picking on matchups, right? And I thought that was a, a fulcrum of their offense. You know, you saw in the Bucks series late in games, Jimmy is like, where is George Hill? I want George Hill, right? So George Hill's man come up screen for Jimmy, usually Goran. And then Jimmy goes to work on a guy who's not as strong as him. And then in the Celtic series, it's like, where is Kemba Walker, right? Goran, oh, you're on Goran. Goran, come up, come screen for me. And I'm going to go to work on the smaller guy. And I think that you know, I think Jimmy's biggest strength in the regular season, not just his playmaking, but the, his free throw rate, the, the ability that he was able to get to the line uh, at a, at just an astronomical rate. I believe his free throw rate was like third after Harden and AD or something like that. It was something ridiculous. He was in like the top three in free throw rate. It was it was insane. And, you know, for, for a guy like that to really, you know, put his head down, go to the basket, exploit those mismatches. You know, Miami runs a lot of off-ball screens, which is really helpful when you have a guy who's so willing to pick on smaller players, right? So you have all these off, you know, Tyler screening and Duncan screening off-ball, and then all of a sudden you get these mismatches, and then, you know, somebody, all of a sudden you have a really small guy, Jimmy Butler, and uh, he's going to work. And Bam, too, by the way. I mean, Bam, Bam's really, you know, we've kind of gone on Bam. We want, we want, we've seen him attack smaller guys and it looks good. We want him to do it more. Uh, no reason why, you know, they, they can't force switches that way too. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because, I mean, I, a lot of this is repeating what we said during the finals run. It's just, you know, it, it, again, the day, the damn day before Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Come on. Be happy, folks. It, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, and, and like we were saying, it, it wasn't like any of them went off. I'm looking here at the playoff per game stats. Jimmy averaged 22, six and six. That's good for Jimmy, but that's not anywhere fluky. Bam went uh, 18, 18, 10 and four, four and a half. Really good numbers. Nothing fluky about this shit. As you go Goron 19, Tyler 16, 
uh, J12. J12 is probably the the outlier there. I think Tyler's the, 16 the, is a little high. I think that that's kind of the point production that you could look at and use like that's, you know, Miami found something there that they did not, you know, they did not really have a fourth scorer, right? They, they had those three guys, Jimmy Gore and Bam, that they could really rely on. And then that fourth guy was kind of score by committee. Some days it was Duncan. Yeah. Some, but I mean, I think Tyler really, especially his creation off the pick and roll, you know, I think that they found mm-hmm. a, a, a genuinely reliable, like, third creator in pick and roll uh in certain kinds of sets you know when jimmy him and, and gordon would play together and i think in that Lakers series you really miss goron because you could see that tyler wasn't really ready to be that initial or second kind of creator in an offense you know it, it was really tough for him and he struggled with the drop coverage surprisingly um i mean really really struggled on that with that drop coverage um but you know that's the kind of stuff that you that you hope he improves on kind of going forward I want to change gears a little bit. Uh-huh. Oh, what were you going to say, Frankie? Close us out. Uh, I was going to say, uh, yeah, but we saw we also saw that um, at the beginning of the bubble, uh, how Tyler's game kind of evolved from uh, where it ended. I mean, Tyler, to be fair to Tyler, Tyler did also end the, the normal season pre-COVID with uh, ankle injury, I think it was, and he had missed a while. So we hadn't seen Tyler for a little bit. He didn't even play um, in the rookie game, right? He, did, he didn't participate yeah, in All-Star he, Weekend. He had, he, had the, he, had, he was, yeah, he was like in and out for like three weeks. Um, so he, so he got to heal completely, come back. And, and that bubble kind of where you can talk a little bit of fluky, the, the, the space between uh, March and when the bubble started, it kind of gave a lot of the rookies like their, their second wind um, and, and pretty much an off season where all they could do was work and improve. But you know, what was great about that? Everybody had that time off. Everybody had the chance to improve. So you can't even call that a fluke. And and let, let's and, not and let's not pretend that these guys, you know, had access, you know, remember for a long time, especially in Miami, I mean, these guys did not have access to a gym until a couple, maybe a month and a half before the season started, right? Like and, and a lot of and people need to understand that don't live here. You know, most of these guys live in a condo downtown near the arena, right? They're not living in houses, right? Like, you know, only, you know, Dwayne and LeBron lived in coconut grove right but like most of these dudes you know they're living at the marquise you know they're, they're living downtown they're living in those in those in those high rises do you remember that story where jimmy had to buy his teammates uh basketball hoops yeah because i don't even know where the fuck they would hoop. put them like I, I, people was- people need to understand the layout of the city it's like you have the suburbs like i, I live in west kendall right like i'm about 35 40 minutes from downtown from the arena, right? Like I, this, these, this is where houses are. But like, you're not getting a fucking house near the arena. What's the closest? Where's the closest place that has houses near the arena? Is it? Is it the Grove? It might be. I mean, like that's that's still like 25, 30 minutes out. You know what I mean? Like, in <laughs> yeah. the traffic to get in there is awful. So I think people don't understand that. Like, it's not like these guys were fucking waking up every day and, and working. I, you know, I'll never forget. I was listening to a podcast that Zach Lowe did. He had Megan Rapino, uh, U.S. Women's National Team soccer star, and Sue Bird, obviously one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. And there were a couple, and they lived together. And they often they were talking about like the struggle of kind of working out. And I believe that they live in a condo in Seattle. Both they're both in Seattle, and uh, they were talking about the struggles of that and how how difficult it was to find time to work out, how to work out. Uh, and, and Sue's, you know, Sue played basketball, and 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 Megan plays soccer. And JJ Reddick talked a little bit about this too. I mean, how you have really had to finesse, you know, finding a gym and finding somebody to work out. But you know, you never know about the COVID, and not that like these guys were like you know 
fucking surgeons, right? Not trying to not to get COVID. I'm sure that everybody had their social life, but I mean, it just wasn't, it wasn't that easy that it was like, you know, gym all day, gym all night. You know what I mean? Like I, I want people yeah. to understand that also yeah, considering where we live. Yeah. It, it's definitely a thing. Like if you're from Miami, you understand, uh, not all of these guys live on star Island. A lot of these guys haven't made it. A lot of these guys aren't locked into spending the rest of their careers in Miami or a, a big portion of it. How many key players uh, have lived on star Island? Is it just Shaq? Probably just Shaq. And I think I, it and might just Shaq be Shaq. Like get, and it might have been Shaq. Wasn't Shaq like getting Pat Riley's old house or something like that? Well, I know that Shaq had to have. So we did. Uh, I worked for an engineering company. And we did the surveying of his house, I believe. And I think that I was told that they had to make custom doors and shit or like custom like walkways because <laughs> he's a big dude. Yeah. like these dudes, I, I gotta be honest with you. What was the last heat player that lived on South Beach? I don't I don't know. They mostly lived downtown Brickell and, and the Grove. Grove is yeah, nice, man. Yeah, that's Rose. what makes sense. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's that's. I I wouldn't want to live on the beach. I'm. Let me tell you something. I I'm a hurricane panicker, and I I you know I'm looking to buy a place, and I, I was looking at you know kind of everywhere. Look at my options. It's like, what would a small condo in the beach cost? And I was like, oh, huh, that's expensive, but ah, it's the beach. It's nice. And I'm like, ah, hurricanes. I don't want to. Who knows when this is gone? Take one bad storm and it's all gone. All that flooding and stuff, you can't get out of there when with the, when it starts raining a little bit. Listen, there were people. LeBron was here for four years. Chris Bosh too. They don't know what the fuck a hurricane is like. They, <laughs> they don't know. Dwayne does. Dwayne came in in 2003. Got Katrina. Got Wilma. We got bopped that season. We've been pretty lucky ever since. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So kind of changing gears a little bit. We got a. We have a couple things we want to laugh at. Hassan Whiteside <laughs> from max player to what did he get the minimum close yep. to it? You know what I mean? Like that, what a fault. Like, you know, so I, I'm in some NBA group chats and I, I think it's funny kind of the reaction that like legitimately smart basketball people have to Hassan, right? Like legitimately smart basketball opinions that you would respect are just like get that guy away from me. I don't want. I don't want to be here near him. I don't. I don't want anything to do with him. Get this guy away from me. And like, I'm a Heat fan, right? Like we've we've lived the Hassan Whiteside experience of the good and the bad, right? We had the you know, whole generational big, his rise to stardom. You know, the max contract. You know, triple double with blocks. Uh, that game in Chicago. Oof, that was that feels like forever ago, Frankie. You're trying to get his 2K rating up. Oh my god! Right, so like we've had the we, good, we and then we've had the pouty, the bad, the tackling Alex Len, all time, all time girls on moment. I was at that game. I called it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He he, he he fucking put his head down and fucking tackled. And that was at the time that the Dolphins didn't have linebackers. It was kind of funny. It's like it's not it, a, it was such a terrible tackle too. <laughs> it was if Carlos Dansby on the Dolphins at the time. That's a name. <laughs> um yeah, it was funny. All right, we've had all we've had the Hassan not setting screens, Dwayne fucking screaming at him on the bench. Um all, all the Hassan experience, right? And I think that at the end of the day, I think it's a little I think it's funny, right? Like, I'm always down to make fun of Hassan, ready or not, you know, shout out to Chef Trilly. <laughs> is that real? Is ready or not real? Or is that just a, is that just a creation? No, it's real. See, the, it's real. The, That's what he snapped. The fucked up thing about that is I don't know what's real and what's he Twitter fucking with him. You know right? what else is also real? The the snap of him running around the uh, the locker room. It's my favorite. Like, it's my favorite. If you jo- haven't looked that up. I think it was Josh up. recording him. 
Oh God, it's so Great. good. Just but tremendous. He he started at the bottom, got paid like a max player, and he got was straight rich for a little bit, and now straight <laughs> broke. He, I mean, I mean, he's still a millionaire, but I mean, he's yeah, back full circle back in Sacramento. Uh, I don't really see the fit there with him, but whatever. I don't think he's a bad player. I mean, he's, you know, I think the numbers, you know, either bear even or slightly positive when he's on the floor for teams. So, I mean, he's not a bad player. I just think he has limited upside. He has good hands. I think he's a good big for LeBron. Like, I don't under, like, maybe, like, I've always said this, Frankie. Like, I think Tyler Johnson and Hassan Whiteside are two perfect LeBron players. Tyler Johnson's great off the ball. Amazing hands. Very good spot-up shooter. Athletic. Runs the floor. Defense. What more do you want as a LeBron James guard? Yeah, I, think, I said the same thing with Tyler. Like he's Hassan, not the pick and roll creator that 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 Caruso is, but it's not like Caruso's fucking lighting it up as a pick and roll player, right? I think I think Caruso has a lot more ball handling chops than Tyler, but like Tyler's a, a much better shooter. Tyler's a much better shooter, right? And I think that you know, in nut cutting time, you know, LeBron's gonna have the ball anyway. And I think if Tyler's in your closing lineup with that guy, Tyler, you know, when Tyler just has to focus on kind of fighting over screens, defending and, and shooting and running the floor and being athletic, I think that's what you want. That's isn't that what LeBron wants. Yeah, exactly. The thing with the son is though, uh, the low effort stuff, the, the block, uh, chasing the, uh, lack of, of effort on the screens, all the easy stuff that you can do, uh, that he should be able to do would drive LeBron absolutely fucking nuts. It would, but the guy has, I think his best skill is are his hands. That dude has great fucking hands. He can catch balls really, really well. I mean, I think sometimes Goron really struggled to get him like on those short bounce passes. That was tough for him. And I think his size, and he's just like a little clumsy, but I think a guy like LeBron, who's a much better passer, who can really give it to him where he needs, and he's not fumbling passes or whatever. I don't know. I kind of always wanted to see how that would look like, but I, I thought it funny Heat fans taking a victory lap on poor Hassan as he signs for the fucking minimum in San in, in Sacramento, the fucking a-hole of the NBA. Like nobody <laughs> wants to be there. It's, it's fucking albatross. I tweeted, uh, hopefully he does the exact opposite of what Dwayne did to Jimmy in Chicago. And he try and he tries to backtalk key culture to De- uh, De'Aaron Fox. But Fox is like, what? That's exactly what I want. I can't wait. <laughs> Sign that max extension. I don't know how that's going to happen. But hey, when him and Bam are free agents, they're best buddies. <laughs> Come home. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, and with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore, Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly. So you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short-term list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post. 
which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try it with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you will be on in the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you the most options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. It was, it was, we'll it was funny. Uh, did you see the fight last night with Nate Robinson? I saw, I saw it on Twitter when he came back up. Oh, okay. my God. So let, let me paint the picture for the audience that doesn't know. Because uh, I didn't even know this was happening. Until kind of I saw what something was trending. So Nate Robinson's apparently a boxer now. I did not know this. I learned of this yesterday. Nate Robinson was in that Mike Tyson fight card. For, was that a for charity, Frankie? I don't. I don't even know what. I don't even know. I don't know why Mike Tyson's fighting again. I wasn't sure either. I I, I just <laughs> saw it was Roy Jones and, and Mike Tyson and and uh, Jake Paul and uh, Nate Robinson were like the undercard. So Jake Paul, for those of you who don't know, is a white boy YouTuber. He's uh, he he has fame for um, for getting arrested during uh, the protests in um, during the summer for the Black Lives Matter protests because he went to go film looting uh, and he got arrested for that. I thought that was kind of funny how Jake Paul perpetually inserting himself. Also went to a Japanese suicide forest and filmed that because, you know, he's an asshole, right? So that they'd be all sorts of culturally insensitive things in Japan. He's like the problematic white boy YouTuber, right? And uh, apparently he boxes. I did not know this. I did not know that Jake Paul was a boxer. And he's like legitimate uh, semi-pro guy. I'm not like, I'm not giving him an ounce of credit. I hate that guy. But I don't, I don't want to give him credit either. But he beat the shit out of Nate Robinson in that fucking undercard, and Nate got knocked out. And Bradley oh Beal and CJ McCollum and Solomon Hill and and fucking Evan Turner and everybody's like making fun of the guy. Steph Curry eviscerated him. I'm like, come on, man. Oh man, it, it was it was so funny to see because it's like. A guy stepping completely out of his element, trying something new, and he was he was confident. He Don't give him he credit; had, he, he doesn't him. deserve shit. No, I'm trying to be a Yusha Curry here. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, wait. So, so, so Steph goes. Steph, Steph, like tweets like before the fight. Let's go, Nate Robinson. Hold it down, and then Nate goes. I'm gonna shock the world, and then Steph waited for after the fight to go. I see no lies. <laughs> I didn't know that was after the fight. That's that even funnier. The fight. <laughs> That's I'm like, come on, hilarious. Steph. Bradley Damn. Beal tweeting out pictures of him, like, kind of knocked on the floor, like, you know, making fun of Nate. Oh, my God. I, I was looking at Dame's Twitter account because da- Dame's really funny. Dame and, Dame and CJ always love to fuck with people. So I, Dame didn't tweet anything last night. Um, 
I saw somebody tweet to Bomani. It's like, you know, Nate's going to have to learn to cut his own hair. Could you imagine going to the fucking barber after that? (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking hilarious. I honestly, like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm sure that Nate can still kick a lot of people's ass, but I don't know, man. That's that's embarrassing. You lost lost to him, the YouTuber. You lost to a YouTuber. I saw I saw somebody say that uh, Nate Robinson losing to Jake Paul just feels racist. <laughs> yeah, that's well, what that what isn't racist but feels racist like those quotes. Yeah, I think Adam Smoot <laughs> tweeted that. Um, bro, that shit was funny. Like I don't know, I I didn't know it was happening, and I I kind of looked at Twitter and I was like, oh, these jokes. I'm here. I, listen, I I love a good event that produces jokes. That's what Twitter and was he, made for. Exactly, Twitter is for live tweeting things. That's exactly what it's for. That's why it's so good during the season. Uh, any award show, anything, anytime something happens, any cultural you want to be on event, to check it out. Yeah, debates—they're they're fun for debates. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as much as uh, chaos and and shit pull Twitter can be, it's it's a lot of the funniest fucking things you'll ever see. It's great. And by the way, if you're watching, if you don't, if you're not following us on Twitter, which is why you're not yet, you can follow us at MIA Heapy. We live tweet games, we tweet you information, numbers, stats, jokes, memes, bring you closer to the Heat community. Follow us there. You can follow me at GNavas103. Frankie, where can people follow you? Frankie G underscore on Twitter. Get us involved on Twitter, guys. If you're not following us on Twitter, we're really active on there. We have a lot of fun. Uh, get in with our community over there. Follow the account. We'll give you a follow back. Let us know that you mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, also, get in on our Discord. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And I think what we really want to do for next season is we really want to get listener questions for guests, right? So we're working on a, a special guest for next week. And if we get him, uh, we're going to ask our Discord for questions, right? He's a, he's a big get for us. We're really excited. Hopefully he, he can do it on Thursday. Uh, so join our Discord server so you can kind of get in on that conversation. There's a community there that's talking every day. It's a pretty active community. We have several hundred members in the Discord. It's active. It's fun. We have all sorts of different channels uh, to talk off-season trades, game, X's and O's, share memes, talk about other off-topic things with their Heat fans. So that Discord link will be in the description of the YouTube video or the podcast if you're listening on Apple Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your pods. So check that out. Get involved with us there. Kind of one of the last things I wanted to get to, Frankie, was some of the interesting numbers that came out of BAM's extension. Um, and I saw, you know, we retweeted this from the Heat Beat account, Albert, Albert Namad, who's been on the show a couple times uh, with us the last last week. Bam's extension kind of works out for Miami in a way that we were talking with Albert last week about kind of the incentives and how that's going to affect their cap. So for those of you who don't know, when you sign a, you know, when you sign a, a particularly a max contract, that's going to come with incentives, right? So if you make a, an all NBA team, you know, your percentage, so a max contract, I think at the highest, it's like 30% of the cap or whatever, right? So let's say the minimum's at 28% of the cap, right? So if you make an all NBA team, you know, you, you make, you, you're, you're eligible for up to 29% of the cap. And if you win MVP, then you're eligible for 30% of the cap, right? So like the, the contract can vary between several you know, tens of millions of dollars, depending on, you know, how good you are and what milestones you reach. Every contract has those rookie contracts, have those for rookie teams and all that stuff, right? So we weren't sure what band's kind of qualifications were going to be because those numbers are really important looking for 2021, right? So, 
you know, Bam was practically an all-NBA 13 player this year. I mean, barely missed it. I think he should be a lock next year, I would hope. I mean, if he keeps taking the gradual improvements, you know, you kind of hope he beats out Rudy Gobert. I mean, who knows where Rudy's going to be next year and all that stuff, right? So, and then the Heat are going to be a good team with a lot of eyes watching them. So, you know, that, that, that genuinely affects voters. So... Kind of the information uh, that from the because Bam signed the contract over the weekend, uh, Bam's going to start at twenty five percent of the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two cap, and that's per John Hollinger. Uh, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year, it's going to be twenty seven point five, and if he wins All NBA First Team, it'll be twenty eight point five and MVP thirty percent. So he doesn't have language in his contract for second team or third team All NBA. So let's let's be clear about that. And, and that's that's kind of where this conversation has to start because you know as good as Bam is, you know, those are pretty, you know, that's a pretty big leap capital L to make next year. Jason Tatum didn't even do those things. You know what I mean? And, and that's, you know, that's kind of the leap, the superstar leap that you hope and you know, it's it's probably unlikely that Bam reaches those milestones next year. I mean, to win MVP, obviously he wins MVP, who needs Giannis, right? You have the fucking MVP on your team. Um, but I mean, you know, to, to get NBA all first team, that's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of bigs, AD, Jokic, Gobert, Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, and with whoever else is going to be great next year. And then for defensive player, I think defensive player of the year is probably his most likely. Uh, Giannis, AD, Gobert, right? LeBron's going to be in that mix, you know. Uh, OG Ananobi, right? There's a lot of guys that you know he's yeah. going to compete with. What? How's this naming dudes? You, you, you snuck in. How's OG. this naming dudes? I don't know what you're talking I lo- about. I love OG. How's this naming dudes? I mean, deep, just, deep boys. Jimmy, Jimmy's going to be in the conversation too. Let's stop. Let's listen. Jimmy's going to be right there. Uh, so he's not gonna. It, it's very. It's unlikely that he'll get kind of the lion like the the high end of his max number it's going to give miami a little more wiggle room in the 2021 offseason so sorry we ever doubted you andy and pat uh and he doesn't andy have an opt-out to go he doesn't have an opt-out yeah he he i i think that that shows like exactly what bam thinks of uh the organization uh how they've treated him and and what he thinks of the future it, just having that faith to not ask for a player option that's crazy and to let them and he let them play with his numbers like that. Like that is extremely team friendly for a max player. Uh, you could, you could see it in, in De'Aaron Fox and all these other guys who just got their rookie maxes. A lot of their contract language um, specifically pointed out, uh, you know, their, their marks for uh, making second team, third team, all those stuff that bam is a lot more likely to for him to, you know, agree to this and it shows that he's team first and he's trying to help the team um, be flexible for, uh, for future, future guys. And, and he's going to be uh, frontline recruiting uh, the, the next star Miami gets. So like, and, and we talked about this a little bit last year on the show before that, I mean, the team was going to always offer the extension because that's the right thing to do. And, you know, we've talked, the organization has, had its, you know, falling out with its star players and, and its most important players from Shaq to Morning to Dwayne to LeBron to Bosch, right? And I don't think the franchise wants to make that mistake again. And I think that, you know, we can talk a lot about the 2021 plan and the max stuff, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they propagate the idea of this is a family and they put their money where their mouth is. And they did this for Bam and Bam repaid them by making this very, very team-friendly to them. And I, I think that, 
you know, your relationship, I think we've learned in this league and, and everything can change, right? So something, something can change from now to next year, you know, in this league, nothing is static, but you know, your front office coaching staff relationship with your superstar is the most important thing because as like James Harden did not start asking out of Houston until Daryl Morey was not there. You know what I mean? Like, and Daryl and James had a really solid relationship. Right. And I think you got to look at, I mean, look at Kobe and Mitch Kupchak and the buses. Right. Uh, and, and Dwayne and, and, and Riley. I mean, that falling out was nasty. Right. And that could have been avoided. And I think, and as much as there's love there, there was also stubbornness. Um, and I don't think the organization is going to make that mistake again. And I think Bam repaid that. I mean, the, the not having an option is fucking insane. I mean, absolutely fucking insane. Uh, particularly it, because I mean, you're going to be eligible for more money, so you're going to opt. You can opt out and then get more money. You're not locked into that fifth year, whatever number that is. And considering how young he is, you know, he's going to he's going to be eligible. I mean, if he keeps on this trajectory, maybe more money, supermax or whatever, right? Like, you know, he's going to be in that conversation. I mean, if we're having the fucking Rudy Gobert Bruce supermax conversation, you bet your ass we're going to have it for Bam, right? So it's it's good that he. You know, played ball with the franchise, even, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was surprised when he signed it, considering the ramifications for their cap. But this this gives them a little more playing room. And I don't doubt that they're going to be able to fit a max uh, now. I haven't I haven't read, you know, seen too much theorizing it. But I mean, this is obviously very favorable for the franchise. And, uh, you know, love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. Like, uh, I, I get that we were all surprised by it. I was surprised too. But, you know, this team just made it to the fucking finals. A lot of these fucking people complaining and being afraid uh, of where this team is going to be about Giannis and, and this guy and that guy. Listen, that's great. I get it. I want, I wanted, I'd rather win the finals than just be in the finals. Yep. We don't put, we don't put up those banners, Eastern Conference Championships. We, we, we don't celebrate those. Let's go. Fucking, but let me tell you something. Bam Adebayo led his team to the finals. Giannis has not done that. Harden has not done that. Mm-hmm. All these Bradley Beal hasn't made the playoffs by himself. All right. Let's talk about Bam Adebayo, how he's the fucking franchise player. He's the young budding superstar that he is. This was his first year as a starter and he took his team to the finals. Get a fucking grip people. Get a grip. And like, I think that off, you know, and, and I, I think this is, this is a bit of a, this is a bit of a tired argument, but you know, we as NBA consumers and as content creators and, 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 and fans, right? Like we are so obsessed with what's next. And I think part of that, I mean, I think sometimes people in the media kind of talk down to that, you know, but which I, I think is a little wrong too, because I think that's exciting and that's good for the league. But I think that where it becomes bad when it's too much that, you know, your max player, your your best young player signs the richest deal in your franchise's history who deserves it. Cause nobody's out here saying that he doesn't deserve it. Right. Like it, it's not like you're, it's not like the Hassan deal that you have to, you know, you really have to, you really have to have your pill with, <laughs> with some juice because you couldn't swallow it. Right. Like, it was a contract that is earned that your young superstar earned. And we're talking about, and the first thing that came to our mind is not the human story of, of bam, where he came from, from that trailer kind of signing that money. And, and listen, we're guilty of it too. It's, you know, well, how does this affect their ability to sign Giannis? Right. 
And I look, NBA consumerism about that. And I think that it's been good for the league and fruitful in a lot of ways. But I, you know, I, I think it, this is where it gets to be too much. You know what I mean? Where we're, we're all of a sudden not happy because next off season is blown up, right? When your team just made the finals, as you said, your superstar is locked up. Your other superstar and Jimmy Butler's locked up. I and mean, Jimmy Butler's a fucking top 12 player. Get the fuck out of here. I haven't seen Paul George do what Jimmy Butler just did. I've seen all those other names that Frankie just named. I haven't, they haven't done that. Has Westbrook led anybody to do anything, Frankie? I, I don't think he's led them out of the first round. No, nope. I don't know. I mean, AD had to join LeBron to, to do something meaningful. You know what I mean? Like Kyrie too. I mean, Kyrie was flaming out in the second round with a good Boston team, right? So, you know, they have these two guys that are fucking good, right? With some young players like Tyler Hero with Sky's the Limit and Duncan Robinson, who's arguably the, well, maybe next year he'll be the second best shooter in the league, debatably, you know, behind Steph Curry. Now that Clay Thompson's not, fortunately not going to play. So, you know, we, we, we have to really... We have to really tone that back, I think, as fans and as content creators, because it's, it's I think it's fun. Right. But it's also unfair to the guys who are on your team who have contributed, who have created legitimate moments like I had a disconnect with that team last year for a long time. Not 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 pre bubble, but like, but like pre bubble stuff. You know what I mean? It was it was really hard. I love I love Butler. I love Bam and Goron, but it was, it was tough. It was tough. It was a lot of new faces that I didn't know. A lot of guys that I really had to get behind. I did not believe in them. I thought their defense was bad. And we've, we've had these conversations on the pods over and over again. Um, but it's really cool when a sports team really like it, it can really capture you. And, and I don't. there wasn't even a singular moment. It just kind of happened progressively that I just fell in love with that group. And it wasn't even during the finals or anything. It was it, it was just kind of in the bubble. It just I don't know. Something felt different about the group. And it, they, it's incredibly likable. They really shorten the rotation. I love the guys on the team. They play really wonderful basketball. There's all sorts of movement on offense, all these back screens, all these fun sets. Their pistol action so great and creative. The way that they run their inverted horns, which is my favorite set from the big three days. The way that they run their handoffs. It's just, it's poetry in motion. There's all sorts of movement. And Miami really leveraged not having a, you know, they have a couple of really good shooters and a lot of not good shooters. And they were really able to leverage that balance perfectly into playing this beautiful basketball, which is credit to Eric Spolstra, who is just the best coach of the league. And like, this team's awesome and we should appreciate them. And uh, we'd be, probably be thankful for that, people. Absolutely, man. It, it was, uh, I felt like the last couple of years um, with the, the, after, the post big three uh, really just made us like appreciate what we had in the big three. And, uh, you know, you had the LeBron leaving, you had the Bush, the Bosch, uh, blood clots, uh, Wade's, uh, leaving. And, all, and then you had this team like locking into guys like Dion and, and Hassan and guys that, you know, their effort wasn't consistent. Their effort wasn't, uh, their effort was optional to them. And that's, that just wasn't heat basketball for all of us. Like, that's just not what we've grown accustomed to. Like we know championship uh, basketball is great. Playoff basketball is great, but we know effort and, you know, hard work and teamwork. That's, that's what we've grown accustomed to. And this year, this team, uh, especially in the beginning of the season and then uh, entering the bubble, they really had a lot of moments where they just gelled together, playing hard, busting their asses, diving loose balls from, from Jimmy to the 12th man, whoever it was, you know, that that's that's what it was fun about it, that they just busted their ass, they worked hard. Jimmy might have a game where he's got 12 points 
but he's also got like 10 rebounds, eight assists, three steals and two blocks that, and, and that just, it felt so much like the embodiment of heat culture this year, uh, how much fun it was just seeing all these young guys, uh, bam, uh, Tyler Duncan all have these fucking big time moments and big time games. I, I felt like, the bam block in game one uh, against Boston was just like the, the, the moment we all felt like, Holy shit, they could make it to the finals. It, it had settled. I mean, we had, we had done these, these live, but I think when they went up three Oh, against the bucks, that's when we started looking at potential finals matchups here on the pod. And it, it, it kind of, it became a little real in a way that, I mean, listen. This to kind of circle back to, to the to the top of the show to bring this full circle. I mean, did it surprise? Did their run surprise me? Absolutely. They shocked me. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not here. I'm not here lying. But watching it unfold was as organic and as fun to watch as anything. And I'm I'm so excited for each season, guys. Uh, we're gonna be with you every step of the way uh, from now up until training camp. We're gonna give you multiple shows a week we're going to be going through their their depth charts right so wings bigs and and uh and guards we're going to have a guest on to kind of break down precious's game how does he fit into the squad with somebody who's watched a ton of film and knows him as good as anybody we're really excited for that um and That'll be on Thursday. So remember, check in. Maybe we'll do a stream. Maybe not. Also remember, follow us on twitch.tv slash MIHeapy. We're getting our emotes. I'm commissioning an artist to get some emotes, get some badges. Uh, we're going to get that set up for the season. We're really excited. Like I mentioned at the top, join our Discord server, follow our Twitter accounts. And if you're watching on YouTube, our social medias up there so check that out we're gonna link all the stuff in the description as well uh guys i mean i I guess this is unofficially the start of next season in a way like our off season's behind us uh we've had a couple days to kind of reflect the dust has settled uh mostly the same team couple couple new faces uh and i'm i'm excited guys i'm excited to, to take this journey with you the audience um our eighth our eighth season of miami heat beat Really excited. I'm, I'm glad for all the growth. You know, now we're finally posting on YouTube. Shout out to our professional screw up, Alex Toledo, who has been yelling at me to do that forever. <laughs> uh, I finally came in and the YouTube audience has been great. Talking to y'all. Uh, I appreciate it. The, the view counts and the videos have grown very, very quickly. Uh, I really appreciate that. I know that it's difficult to grow a pod on YouTube and uh, you guys have been absolutely outstanding. Thanks for the comments. Always comment on the videos. Uh, and if you're listening on the podcast, please give us a five-star review. Listen, Laker fans came in and gave me a lot of bad reviews because they didn't like what I said about their team. If you read it, they're just calling me a mad heat fan. So, you know, if you're listening on the pod on Apple or on Spotify, please give us a five-star review if you feel that we so indeed deserve it. Uh, and, and then write a little something for us. We really appreciate that. Listen, we're going to read the funny ones on the show. Maybe we'll give t-shirts or whatever. I mean, we've done that in the past. We've given we've given things to people. Uh, we're going to start, we're, we're going to think of stuff to give to to the fans who write the funniest and most clever uh, uh, five-star reviews. So So get that in. And we're going to find a way to get the YouTube audience involved. So thank you guys so much. And I will see y'all on Thursday. Peace.